Welcome to this week's Pink Podcast. This week, Terry Sherman presents part five of the Dynamic Dual Customer Service. So that brings us to problem management. But let me just stop because I'll tell you, there's a lot of redundancy in problem management. I mean, there are some differences and we will talk about them. But again, in terms of getting to a mature level, like having a process owner, having documented procedures for everything you do, that's all pretty typical. Okay, let me, let me explain myself just a little bit. I don't think that it's important that we, should, that we should give them all a test on the definition of an incident and a problem, being able to distinguish that, because probably half of us would fail that test anyway. But I think what we need, they need to understand that we have two processes. That we approach when there is a failure, when there's an issue in the infrastructure, we have a two-prong approach. One is to get your service back up, the other is to fix it. Because what happens when we have good incident management and we restore normal service? They're like my wife. What are you going to do? Is this going to happen again? You mean I'm, I'm just going to have to keep rebooting? Can't you fix this so I never have to reboot again? And what we have to let the, what we have to let our end users know is that we have two processes that deal with the whole aspect of of you know failure out there in the infrastructure. That we're going to keep you productive, and when it's when the appropriate time. And by appropriate, we mean when it's deemed that it's having significant in, or enough impact on the business as a whole, not just you as an individual end user, but we're looking at it from a business perspective. When the appropriate time comes, we will fix stuff. And we need to get the word out there that we're, we are fixing stuff. It's just that we don't fix everything. And that's what I mean by we have to help them understand the difference between incidents and problems. They don't need to understand the definition. And when they call the service desk and say, I'm having a problem, we don't have to correct them and say, you mean an incident? You know, I mean, you've really, <laughs> I'll slap you, you know. <laughs> You're turning into too much of an ITIL geek. I mean, I know I'm in the company of ITIL geeks when I'm out at a restaurant, you know, and, and, the, and the waiter comes back and says, you know, I'm sorry, that, that, uh, that dish that you ordered isn't available right now. And somebody I'm sitting there with says, oh, do we have an incident? You can open a record with the kitchen. Are they going to do a little root cause on this back there in the kitchen? We're going to get this fixed. You know, it's like, ugh, come on. You know, so anyway, I don't think it's necessary that they drill down to that level. I think it is necessary that they understand, though, what is IT doing about this, and that we have two we have a two prong approach. We're restoring normal service, and we're also fixing stuff. But that they are two different things. They may not necessarily doing one may not always necessarily mean we're doing the other. But together they work. And, you know, have you realized this, that basically they do work because what happens? Getting back to the factor of time, what happens? Incident management, you know, t time is a factor because we've got to restore productivity. And it's opposite in problem management. In problem management, what happens when we fix something too quickly? What happens when we do too fast of a root cause analysis, when we don't do a thorough root cause analysis? We fix the wrong thing. And, and, and in fact, I think we're worse off then because now we're delusional. Now we think we fixed something, but we really haven't. And actually, what we've probably done is we've created more issues. So we need to have time to do thorough root cause analysis. And how do we get the time to do that? By having good incident management. Incident management buys us, in problem management, incident management buys us the time to do good root cause analysis and fix things right. Fix things right and fix them once. Because if I find myself fixing the same thing over and over again, I'm not doing a very good job of problem management. 
see, before there was ITIL, and ITIL said you had this incident record database, and you got this problem record database, and they shouldn't touch one another or even be in the same city as one another. So, you know, I mean, all these, you know, that, you know they, that our incident records are distinct on a separate, distinct partition from our problem records. What about the good old days when we just open one ticket and it evolves into a problem? Why can't we do that anymore? Yeah, what about this handoff that occurs? Well, the reason why that happens is because we, not every incident generates a problem. We don't fix every disruption or reduction. Problem management, a problem is a declared state. So therefore, that gray area of handoff that has to occur between incident management and problem management, we need to agree what are the conditions for us to declare a problem. And those conditions have to do, those conditions, when you, if you go back to your definition of a problem, those conditions come from two things. We either have multiple incidents, we have enough incidents that it's significant, that it, you know, we've been telling people to reboot, well guess what, at any moment now, uh, 75% of the people in our organization are busy rebooting. I think this isn't productive, I think it's time to fix something. Fix whatever it is that's causing them to have to reboot all the time. So we have multiple incidents that are now have gained in significance in their impact, or, or we have a single significant incident. Some sort of whole network segment has gone out. I don't need to have that happen two or three more times before I get curious as to what's causing it. Probably going to be curious right away if it's significant, and I will declare a problem and begin my root cause analysis. So what you need to put in place is some sort of link, some sort of notification system between incident management where we can flag incident records when the impact, when incident... And what we also need, though, and this gets back to proactive. I'll tell you, it's not an ITIL, so you didn't hear this from me, but I think, pro, I think problem management is entirely proactive because, because it's a declared condition. In other words, that's a proactive move. And what I'm, so how do I know when to declare a condition? Because I'm busy, 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 constantly following my incident records, looking at what's going on. That's how you have effective uh, uh, links between incident management and problem management. When problem management is, is getting the data it needs from incident management, but is getting to that data, is doing the sort of trending that needs to be done. In other words, the onus on fixing stuff is in problem management, not incident management. Incident management gathers the data. It can even raise the flag that says, hey, 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 this is getting a little out of hand, but it still doesn't declare the problem. Does that help you? Or it probably doesn't, but it stays with that group. Okay, well, it stays within the realm of those activities which, are, which define incident management. It becomes a different kind of activity when the problem management process takes hold of it and declares a problem. I, I, I don't see, when you talk about the incident group or the problem management group, remember, that can be anybody in IT. It's not just one particular group within the organization. So it's really the criteria for the activities that need to be done, the procedures that are written for, for declaring a problem that I'm following, no matter what group I'm in. If you've come up with the fix in problem management, in other words, you now are at a known error. You've identified the root cause. You've identified the CI that's at fault. And you figured out how to fix it. What have you now done? If you figured out how to fix it, what have you most likely done? You're going to fix it. And in order to fix it, you're going to have to perform an action that results in a new status for a CI. 
Everybody, does that ring a bell? In ITIL, that's called a change. And you're going to submit the RFC. And what I'm proposing is that the issue here is with the change management process, not the problem management process. Because it's your change management process that is fixing it. We've come up with a fix in problem management. That's our job. Find out what needs to be fixed, figure out how to fix it. And we make the recommendation. We say, we think you should do this. And you know, here's what it's going to cost. Here are the resources. Here's what it's going to take. But it's change management that decides to do that. And if you have that bottleneck occurring, you have to look to, in terms of the ITIL processes, you have to look to an effective change management. Because I will tell you right now, and I caution you, you do not want problem management to perform its own change management. Just because I figured out how to fix it doesn't mean I'm going to fix it. You know, especially after I've put in the time and the resource and spent the money to figure it out, I'm going to feel, you know, entitled to make the change. But we still have to follow the change management process. And I would suggest that that's perhaps where the bog down. Be very simple, you know, and, and it makes my job easy. The, 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 who's, who's, in other words, when there's some conflict between incident management and problem management, and incident management is saying, you know, no, this really, there's, the only way we're going to deal with this is if you fix something, and problem management is saying, well, those are just stupid end users. By the way, he said that, not me. They're just stupid end users, and, you know, if we just, you know, could deal with that, that's an incident issue. Well, first of all, incident management, the, 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 the realm of stupid end users is not exclusive to incident management. Problem management has to deal with them, too. What's missing here is some clear guidance on what's supposed to be done. What are the business needs? What's the priority to the business? What's the impact to the business? What's missing here is that, that thing we talked about earlier about that consistency in classification in terms of, of, of prioritization. Because basically what you're having is you're having a situation there of problem management saying, this is a, this is a low priority for me, high for you. And incident management saying, well, no, this should be a high priority for you. And what we haven't done, what we never did, was we never sat down between the two processes and developed that link, that consistency in terms of our prioritization. And it's time to do that. First of all, it's completely unrealistic to expect your service desk to communicate and track incidents as they, go, as they escalate from level to level if we don't give them the resource and the ability to do that. Then you're being unrealistic. If you just all of a sudden walk in with the same five people on that shift and say, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to do a little bit more today. You know, we're going to manage just a little bit more and we're going to give 110%. You know, no, that's completely unrealistic. In other words, what's realistic is you need to build into the scope of your service desk that it does this. Now, in terms of talking to the customers, it doesn't mean that the service desk, that that's their role exclusively. If there is a need for a second or third level support expert to talk to end users, well, then that should occur. But with the one caveat, is that a good idea? I mean, that's going to depend upon your second and third level. I mean, this is why we got service desks and help desks to begin with. Because back in the early days, before we had them, the solution was, you're having trouble with that application? Well, call the person who developed it. They'll answer your questions. You know, those, those application developers, those people who were chosen for the high level of their interpersonal skills. <laughs> I mean, this is why we developed help desks, so that the second and third level wouldn't have to talk about them. So why should we insist that they do? But, you know, it's a, but nonetheless, if there's particular data and there's a particular format, but here's the deal. The service desk should own that. 
The service desk should own that. In other words, they should own that communication. And by owning it, I mean they, they are responsible for making it happen. They may, it may means that they, it may mean that they babysit that communication. It may mean that they act as the translator between the end user and the expert. Or it just may mean that they're a third party on the phone call. Or it may mean that they, that they document things so that, you know, they take what they, what the experts are saying. They take all of the technological expertise, language, and, and, you know, things and they put it into plain English at the end user. I mean, it dep- but that's an organizational thing and it does depend upon the kind of people you've hired in your organization in those levels. And as I said, you know, it's completely unrealistic to expect that if you don't plan for that. It's not scaly. Yeah, it's not a good thing in many ways it's not a good thing. In fact, it may and you know, the engineer trying to drive, I don't know whatever Maybe the engineer has some KPI with being more friendly. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, the, the, whatever the engineer is trying to drive there, they're going to wind up regretting because now their phone's going to be ringing and interrupting them. Yeah. And they're going to, very quickly, they're going to say, this is not what I was hired to do. Okay. Does every incident lead to a problem? And the answer to that is no. But you see, by, by a definition in ITIL, if you set the alert, if you set the threshold, rather, and the alert goes off, that's an incident because it may cause something, you know. So that's, that's, our, that's our thinking behind that. Now, the degree to which you practice that is going to, dep- you know, is one of the ways you can determine the degree of maturity of this process. It doesn't mean you have to start doing that from day one. It just means, you know, this is where, this is where we should be going and what are we doing to be heading in that direction? And it doesn't mean that just because we're not there, we're doing it wrong. Okay, well, 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 my word, and I, and I'll tell you, this, my word is up for debate because I've had this debate in organizations. But my word says that if it, is, if it meets that definition of an incident, if it's something that may cause, then we open an incident record. Because in my little mind, the way I've put all these best practices together, is that problem management works with the data that incident management has gathered. And I need to have that kind of link established and be tangible and visible so that when I've, later on when I'm looking at how well I do all of this, I have, a, I have an audit trail. I have a path. And what I don't want to do is make problem management be accountable for gathering data out in the workplace. Because that's what incident management should be doing. What's the relationship? He's talking about how how integrated proactive problem management and change management should be. Okay, when you submit a request for change through the change management process, they want to know something. They want to know, have you done, have you looked into risk? Have you looked into the fact that this is the agreed solution if there's an incident or problem linked with it? They want, they, in other words, they, have you done your risk assessment? Have you done your resource allocation? Have you done, uh, have you done impact assessment? And a lot of this is the da- data that's going to be generated through problem management. But once again, it's your change management process, as we discussed earlier, that actually processes that. Because the danger here is that, and it's, it's, it comes from problem management's eagerness to fix stuff and their eagerness to circumvent the change management process. And you cannot, you need to have the two processes, you need to have that control process of change management 
ensuring that problem management just isn't fixing everything that it comes up with to fix. Because when we fix something, there's an impact on the business, on the entire organization that needs to be looked at. And our problem management process is not a process that is perhaps linked to the rest of the entire organization in the way that change management is. Thank you for listening to this week's Pink Podcast, part five of the dynamic duel of customer service. Please join us next week for part six.